0: welcome to another edition of best ball bros here on spike week super pumped this week I, I i guess i get super pumped every week these are just fun shows right but we're bringing in rich rebar at lord reeves from sharp football the konami code the worksheet master the guy who I'm not going to ask him to do this but I feel like every show I've ever watched rich do he spouts off like 46 stats in a row without ever even taking a breath and like I don't, I couldn't even have gotten to the third one um I feel like that's that's part of what he's famous for among many other things you know him you follow him let's go ahead and get into the show <laughs> First question that everybody gets asked now: worst fantasy take you've ever had in your.
1: First of all, I love the aesthetic of this. That whole intro and the intro uh, music—you've got a good production going on here. This is right in my lane. I I was going to say
0: yeah this is fitting for you this is fitting for you yeah
1: you know I don't have the, as much retro stuff up but I got some video game stuff up behind me I mean, this is this is my yep. Wheelhouse I like this I have to come on the show more often you have to have So I got
0: so, yeah so I got I got so I've been working on a a backdrop and the big thing I'm trying to mix in is like the original Nintendo stuff and uh you know that was like my era you know blades of steel and all yes. that kind of like I'm you know that so like Pat Mayo like I, I'll tune into the Pat Mayo shows because he'll have all of that stuff and I I'll like I mean I love Pat he's awesome he's smart whatever but I find myself just like staring at all the video games and stuff in the in the background so it's it's funny that and were you, you more of up. like
1: a sports game guy or just everything
0: everything absolutely oh, everything so like my peak <laughs> my peak was like I was in like late elementary school, like getting into the sports scene and stuff with like the golden eye and perfect dark era and all that. So that's like where I really started to peak in video games, like Madden 95, maybe something
1: like that was probably what it was. Oh, yeah, I mean we used to have a, a buddy who his dad worked night shift and we would stay home from school and he would play Golden Eye with us. Uh, <laughs> he always yeah, he would get out and play us. He always he he always played as Boris. I used to always die yeah, I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, man, I, I, I love it though. but uh, circling back to the question that you asked, I mean I've had a, a number I've been doing this now since like 2012 and you could find all the bad takes out there. But uh, one that specifically sticks out is when Roto world started to do more video stuff. I used to do a morning show with Josh Norris. We did like the first year of it and we used to get on and do um, the show where we just like talk about star sits and players, people would ask questions like the chat. And it was uh, the last year, the year before Jameis threw the 30 for 30 He was splitting time with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ryan Fitzpatrick started the year and got on that heater. He threw for like 400 yards, like three games in a row. And then Winston got the job back. And then he was like awesome for fantasy, but clearly terrible in reality at that point. But like was just racking up fantasy points. And they were playing the Bengals. Never forget it. And on the show, I was like, People are scared to play Winston. I was like, this dude is—he's aw- like, an awesome play. He's gonna like—he's gonna have like twenty-five fantasy points today. He's gonna be incredible. He comes out. I think he throws a pick-six like the first or second drive in typical Winston fashion. They're getting just railroaded, and they're lo- they're down like twenty-eight to seven or thirty-five to seven. Road- well, Rotor World clips this and sends it out at like one thirty. And it's like, it's me just going to this rant about Winston. And it's like, my timeline got absolutely massacred. It was when I used to tweet a lot. and I used to get a lot of engagement. The people would always like tweet with me, but man, I got absolutely flooded that entire day. And what's funny is Fitzpatrick like came in and like in mop up and just like cleaned up in garbage time. Just like absolutely <laughs> shredded. Like Adam Humphreys is catching 12 passes yeah. and doing all kinds of stuff. And, uh, but yeah, and, like, but Winston had like negative fantasy points. I just got crushed, man. It was, it was crazy i'm trying to'm trying to go I'm trying to go and find it yeah uh 18 of
0: 18 of 35 they 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 almost won yeah, if it's Patrick, like they they got like a mega heater they they lost 37 34 and Jameis threw four four picks he did have one touchdown i think he fumbled as well yeah. So, he you know, Jameis turns the ball over five times and that's your, that's your, you know, conviction play. And his yeah. backup comes in and was like the real, you know, in a quarter outproduces
1: him or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I've had other bad takes, but that one in particular, just because of the engagement on the timeline and it being Sunday was the one that I'll never forget. That is so good. Hold on. I got to share this. This is incredible. This is one of the most incredible
0: like box scores and stuff I've ever seen in, in my entire life. So they go. Well, down. Norris is
1: like trying to, on the podcast. Like Norris is like, aren't you worried this could happen? Like this outcome. And I'm like, no. Like you guys are all over worried about it. Like it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. They're just got. They got flooded. It was and then Fitz, Fitzpatrick went nuts.
0: Yeah, and then Fitzpatrick goes absolutely bonkers in the fourth in the fourth fourth quarter. I, I guess this was probably the straw here. Late third quarter was the straw that broke the camel's back with uh, Jameis the old another pick six uh, to uh, to finally put the coffin in him. Um, I, that year was so fun for fantasy. Like it was. Uh, well, those couple of the Jameis, the peak Jameis Bucks. Was like some of the most fun fantasy, especially like talking about best ball stuff. I think that was probably what really got me hooked into the best ball space. Cause I was, I didn't really know what I was doing, but I was just like all in buck stacks. Like that was my, st- I think I had like 50% Jameis, like 50% Godwin. Unfortunately, a lot of like OJ Howard, if you remember right. uh, that, you know, was in that, that, that year. But I was just jamming all those guys. And it was like, dude, I whiffed on everything. Like I was on justice Hill. I was on. That was Andy. That. that was Andy Isabella year. That was Andy Isabella. I was on all these. Darwin Thompson, right? I was on all those. Awful picks. Awful. But you just hit. Jameis throws for five thousand yards, and Godwin was, you know, basically the best wide receiver pick in fantasy. And yeah, was like, we've got I was kind like, of I'm ruined hooked.
1: the past two years. What's wild about fantasy football? And I wonder if we just got really lucky, or we're just really good at this now. But you look at like the correlation between quarterback ADP and like points per game it's it's like flown through the roof the past two years like we were in, in you know I'm from an era and you probably are too where we grew up playing baseball and like late round quarterback was always the jam that's why we got Jameis that year and yeah. he was like the, a 12th round pick yeah and these like past the two years round. have been really rough on late round quarterback it's been the hit rate for those guys and guys that have come out of nowhere we had two years ago Justin Herbert who really wasn't even a draft pick uh really smashed and like Ryan Tannehill after people kind of faded him after the efficiency spike but you look at the past two years like we've gotten no quarterbacks like in top 12 points per game that come from the late rounds and it's been really wild I don't know if it's just been something like we're just really efficient at it right now or if the bubble's about to pop but that's something I actually was just recently looking at of like the correlation of quarterback ADP and points per game and just how it's gone the roof has blown off the past years
0: Do you think it has anything to do with I've been thinking about this, too, because I'm already deep into these goddamn best ball drafts, (laughs) uh, you know, in the first week of May. Right. And you're trying to think through because like now that's the thing, the the market is so smart, not necessarily just on what you're talking about, but just in general, everybody catches on. Right. Like these elite quarterbacks are just blowing away the field. Right. And so you're like, well, what if that isn't the case this year? Right and so like i'm trying to i've been trying to think through this stuff and i do like a couple guys uh, maybe we'll get into some some specific takes later but uh uh they're bad quarterbacks shocker but like do you think it has anything to do <laughs> with like the Drew Brees era is gone. Big Ben era is gone. Eli's gone, right? Uh, you know, go on down the list of those guys played for 15 plus years, all of them. And then we haven't quite bridged that gap really to this next You know, we have Mahomes and Lamar and stuff, but they've been around for a little bit. We don't have that next group, right? I guess maybe Burrow, but I don't know. I'm trying to figure that out. Do you think it has anything to do with kind of like the end of uh, an era? Like my most of my
1: life was this era of these quarterbacks, <laughs> the Big Ben era, right? Yeah. I mean, you look at the quarterbacks, they're early, mid thirties. I mean, you still so we've got Aaron Rodgers who's still towing along the back-to-back MVPs, and then the other guys are Matthew Stafford, who like everyone now loves, but everyone dragged for yeah. ten years, <laughs> uh, and, and Matt Ryan, who's going through that same the same thing now. Like everyone's yep. kind of discount how good Matt Ryan's been his career because he played it just like a liturg- legitimately hapless offense unit last year. But I think that Matt Ryan is going to be uh, a productive player this year. But the difference between now, though is the era of football now with the quarterback mobility is just so different than it was you know 10 years ago and uh you know, look at the, the amount of designed runs that quarterbacks are taking in the nfl right now i was just looking at this too and it's still the last two years are, they're just under 10 percent of all nfl designed rushes are by quarterbacks so that's removing scrambles wow. from the equation and that's and, it, and it's it's legitimately as high as it's ever been and it's just athletes are, are more athletic now like you know Carson Strong, I feel bad for him because he probably went an awesome pick in 1987. Uh, but, you know, the Dan Marinos of the world, like those guys don't, that's not the way the game's played anymore. Like, Philip Rivers is kind of like one of the last guys. But every guy that comes in, look at this whole quarterback class. And maybe it's a bad example because everyone hates this quarterback class, but every dude came with rushing ability. Uh, you know, obviously, Malik Willis has been, So you look at Sam Howell ran for 800 yards last year. Matt Corral was a good runner. Desmond Ritter had, like, one of the highest RAS scores, like, in history. And that's just – and you go back to the last year, all those guys were mobile as well. I mean, even a guy like Trevor Lawrence is a guy that has mobility, And Zach Wilson was a guy that ran a little bit in college. And it's just – more and more athletes are playing position ever and it's kind of just manifested the position and until fantasy like scoring has like adjust I mean you still get that weighted that weighted ability of just being able to have rushing I mean everyone hates Jalen Hurts but look at what he was able to do for fantasy last year you get that high floor plus the ceiling and if Jalen Hurts ever runs into any passing production I mean the volcano is going to erupt like it did for Lamar in his MVP season. Josh Allen. Right. Now that he's a good passer, because Josh Allen, people think like Josh Allen, could know where the year before his breakout in 2020, he was like the QB, I want to say 11 and like the QB eight in points per game. But now if you're tack on Josh Allen, throwing 35 passing touchdowns or well, <laughs> shit, what are you going to do? Like you can't combat back <laughs> those guys.
0: Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, the, I mean, the Josh Allen thing is like, it. it's also so funny. We're just going to bring it up the chat because if you're in the spike week discord, We've been talking about Trey Lance lately <laughs> because everybody likes to talk about Trey Lance. And apparently if I'm around, we, it, there's going to be heated discussions about, about Trey Lance, but he's an <laughs> example where, look, we're like everyone with a brain can understand like the, the risk. We, we might all assess that risk differently, but he didn't Right? He didn't play last year, blah, blah, blah. Jimmy's still around, whatever. You've done a good job of outlining a lot of that context already. However, It's just like we forget because we get so attached to a name or a specific thing, right? Trey Lance didn't get to play over Jimmy G and maybe people think he stinks. That's fine. But we get so attached to a name that we forget Lamar couldn't throw. Lamar was not playing over Joe Flacco, (laughs) okay? At late era, Joe Flacco. Um, Josh Allen was a horrible college quarterback, like from an actual quarterback perspective, and was not good as a real life NFL quarterback. Until all of a sudden it just like you said, clicked. But we forget that when the next guy comes and the next guy comes. It's been it's three like, years in a row. Of, yeah. Yeah. Hurts, right? Hurts hurts yeah. happened and now it's and now it's Lance.
1: And remember, everyone was excited for Hurts at this time last year. Maybe not at this time, but when the offseason opened and best balls first opened up, people said, Oh, Jalen Hurts is gonna be like this, this like secret dude. Like the rushing is there and like he runs the any passing, it's been good. And then everyone started to progressively talk themselves out of it. Like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, maybe the Eagles are going to draft a guy so Let me slow my exposure down. Oh, well, now they traded for Gardner Minshew. Minshew. Like, what if that puts a little heat on, heat on some things? Like, oh, uh, I mean, even when, when Minshew played against the Jets, people were like, play him the rest of the year. People were like, we're legitimately out there. Like the Eagles should play him the rest of the year. And it's just like, you know, it's just wild, but it was it was literally Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, and Jalen Hurts right in a row. Now, these guys weren't late-round quarterbacks, like we said, but they're people that had one foot in and one foot out, right, when you look at ADP. Those guys that are fringe QB1s, like high QB2 area, uh, and, but people talked themselves out of it because they were like, the perception was he's a bad quarterback. But the great thing with these guys is they can be bad quarterbacks. And still be good for fantasy, or at least have a floor with upside for more. And that's all we kind of really care about. I mean, I really have no stake in like the Trey Lance is going to the Hall of Fame game. I just want him <laughs> to start because I, uh, what he does for football teams provides more fantasy points than what Jimmy Crappola does. And yeah. I want those, I want more of those players on the board.
0: And if you're gonna <laughs> fail, fail hard, like fail fast and fail hard. Like if Lance gets out there and he sucks and he can't, he literally can't complete a pass. Go, let that's fine. But failing with Jimmy Garoppolo is like failing slow because you know he's he's well he does make a lot of mistakes. It's kind of the crazy fucked up thing about the whole Jimmy Lance thing is like Jimmy isn't the game manager because he makes just as many mistakes as the dumb you know new young kid that doesn't know what he's doing. However, he's like failing slow. It's like we're not going to put too much on his plate. He's not going to throw the ball down the field. We're going to just ride through our guys, and we don't we don't really know what's going to happen, right? We've uh, intentionally capped our ceiling if we fail we're going to find out in the playoffs right I mean, we, we don't know saw if- it
1: last year when people were dragging lance when he got to play against the texans uh, he, he literally legitimately had the most completions of like over 10 air yards of the 49ers had in like four years <laughs> Which is crazy in a game to think about. I mean, Garoppolo throws a lot of interceptions because that's his game. He's throwing over the middle of the field in traffic always. Where you yeah. think about, you take those deep shots and your completion rate might drop. But like, you're not throwing a lot of interceptions on those on those plays. Matthew Stafford was kind of the exception last year. Like, a lot of his interceptions came on those 50-50 balls, like, downfield. But he was really good in the intermediate areas. So, Garoppolo's always had a really high interception rate in context of the NFL because of that. Because that's the way you're forced to play games, whereas at least Lance offers you the upside to, to, to do some things. So, I mean, it is frustrating. I The whole Discord is what I don't get. Like, is the thing is, like, Jimmy, people are like shocked Jimmy Garoppolo's still on the 49ers. And that's the part I don't yeah. get because you have a guy that is got, a, he's a $24 million cap it to any team that trades for him. Now, they could restructure, but that's a hypothetical that people latch onto. But he's $24 million to anyone that trades for him. He's got two injuries. He had a shoulder surgery to where he can't throw till July, and he has a hand injury as well. And he's also probably more valuable to the 49ers than any other team, or at least yep. like 28 of the 32 teams. Uh, you know, so, I mean, it's not shocking that he hasn't, they haven't found a taker for him. Uh, you know, yeah. it's, we're seeing the same thing a little bit with Baker Mayfield, who had a you know, shoulder injury. But the whole league knows the Browns can't do anything with Baker Mayfield. They can ride the, the only option the Browns have are to ride this out and have this thing drag through a a player that doesn't want to be there. They don't really, they've made it clear. They don't want him there. Uh, So like, how does that work? Like, you know, eventually the player always gets his way in this type of situation. So like, yeah, you know, I mean, no one's going to trade for those types of guys, especially now that the draft has gone past. And what's amazing too, is that no one invested any draft capital into these quarterbacks. So they completely called the bluff on both those teams
0: yeah exactly a hundred percent like the, remember the what, what was the report from lynch that was uh before a month before the draft or something we could, we're mulling multiple offers they just haven't met our matching price right. or whatever that he was talking about jimmy which a bullshit like no no you got to do it that's though. Though. true but yeah of course You got i mean i don't blame him you know he's playing poker whatever that's fine but also like if that was true, then you're an idiot. Like, right. Like you said, they called you, they called your bluff. Now you got this sunk cost sitting on on your roster. And, like you said, I do, that's the other thing is like, if people, if you're anti Lance and pro Jimmy, them keeping him on the roster, like, doesn't that make sense then for the 49ers? Is like, like you said, he's more valuable to them than he is to almost everybody in the league. If Lance does, tr- is he, if he's truly that big of a disaster, you just go back to Jimmy. You know, and, and, and they got hopefully ride it out with Jimmy and get lucky in the playoffs. Like, I don't know. It it just doesn't seem like that. It's, it's one of those polarizing situations that we latch onto every year. Right. You hurts. You mentioned last year, the Jamar chase drops, uh, was like something last year, you know, we get those situations. Um, I mean, and, we just had a
1: video of of Tua last night. Oh and you yeah, see the, the like we're that's gonna be we're almost hitting that season right where OTA oh, season number yeah. two years ago. CD Lamb made that one handed catch and his uh, ADP spikes. We're almost there though. Like we're gonna you because this stuff impacts ADP, especially like immediately whether there's a, not a, you don't even need an injury. I mean, you could just have a good great camp report. Roto World runs the blurb. Yep. uh Evan Silva tweets something about a guy like in it and it spikes ADP for a week it might change it and those things were the, in the context where you're drafting a bunch of best ball teams like where you are and where you draft uh those teams matters I mean we talk about Lance right now so Lance has been kind of moved down to being like a universal like fringe guy right where those other guys we talked about were going but when he opened this offseason people immediately thought Jimmy was 100% gone so his ADP was higher than like where it was kind of comfortable to draft him. Like I wasn't drafting him at that point. Cause you're not, you're kind of, you know, you're, you're squeezing all the value out. But now like there's this huge buy window. Cause now if they restructure Grappolo or Grappolo does end up off the team, because the 49ers need to clear this money one way or another. Either they restructure Grappolo or they end up just releasing him and, and they get the 8 million back. Because the NFL, the, the cap rolls rolls over what you save. Right. And they've got two massive extensions. One they're trying to get done with Debo Samuel uh, and then one with, uh, with Nick Bosa, like that's big money that can be allocated somewhere else where it's hard to have a backup quarterback on your roster for 27 million as yeah. convenient as it would be to have him behind Trey Lance. So, but to grapple, it's just, maybe he restructures and does something out that, that way we haven't seen it. We don't know, but now we got this huge buy window for Lance. Cause I'm very bullish that no matter what, he's going to be the week one starter. Now you can throw into a range of outcomes to where like he falls on his face and they go have to go somewhere else if Jimmy's still on the team. But I I'm very bullish he w- he's going to be the week one starter. Every signal that they've talked about in interviews and everything, like they've talked about not hindering him starting tier. Garoppolo is not even going to throw in until yeah. like trade. So he's going to get all these first team reps. He's going to have all this runway. Uh, and then you, and you tack that on to the investment of trading three first round picks, not playing him yet. Like, you know, it's, it's all of that. Like I'm very bullish. He's going to be a week one starter. So I want to buy as much as I can on this dip. I got him make QB 17 in a draft uh, just the other day. And like, that's where I want to, I want to soak it all up because I wasn't buying early. Uh, I want to soak all that in right now. Yeah, that's that's just
0: the crazy thing to me is regardless of how you feel about any of this, if you have a different, uh, like you said, a different range of outcomes, a different probability assessment of his week one start, whatever, how there's so few guys like you've outlined the quarterback landscape. We talked about, you know, kind of how good we are at drafting these quarterbacks. There's one of him, right? There was there was one Jalen Hurts. There was one uh, Josh Allen. There was one Lamar Jackson. Now there's one Trey Lance. No guy with that nuclear ceiling exists at that cost anymore so like you know I don't really care what you think I, I, it seems it would be crazy to me to not uh, to not invest and in, like you know, the Lamar two within-
1: and like Lamar and we, we didn't know it at the time with Josh Allen because Brian Dayball had yet to be you know as an NFL play caller like he made a transition shift like the way Brian Dayball as a coach coaches games is totally different than what he did previously before he went mm-hmm. to Alabama uh, but you look at Lance too he also has like the infrastructure like Lamar had when you saw Lamar at the Ravens you're like oh the Ravens are a well-run organization they're going to put him in in every like successful opportunity to max this out and that's kind of what Lance has because the other guy kind of in that area is Justin Fields where you can tell yourself like it exists but like also his situation is garbage and it doesn't feel like he doesn't have that insulation where like you're like Lance has Debo Samuel is George he has George He's got Brandon he has a great Play caller and play designer, like all those things exist. He plays like a, uh, a competent defense. Like there's all these advantageous things lined up for him as well. Uh, that I just feel like people are just like, Well, he sucks, and I don't want to draft him. So, <laughs> yeah, right? How do you,
0: how do you, um, you know, when you start to go through your process in the off season weigh some of that stuff? Uh, not necessarily at quarterback, um, and can be at quarterback, but like let's say, uh, like the Lions last year were a good example. I get the Lions are probably a good example. This year, again, too, uh, uh, I think I saw you uh, are on Brandon Cooks. Um, those yeah. kind of players on the the teams we expect to be bad. DK Metcalf would be an example, I guess, this year. Those guys where you're like, okay, look, my projection is pretty strong that this team's not going to be very good, right? Yeah. Certainly the Seahawks are not going to be competing for the Super Bowl. Texans, obviously. But, you know, there's this good veteran player who I feel like that's just like bankable production. Or in the Lions case, it's like a bunch of young you know, Swift, Hawkinson, Jameson Williams, et cetera, that are like young promising players. How do you kind of balance the, this team stinks versus this player, you know, has a good projection or a good
1: upside or talent or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely always looking at opportunity first. I mean, I, I, the, 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 the talent gap in the NFL is so much tighter than anyone gives you credit for. We talk about yeah. these guys, our wide receiver 10 versus our wide receiver 40 or whatever. But the, ta- the talent margins are a lot tighter in the NFL than, you know, they, they are in college. Um, so if you've got a player that maybe, you know, is on a, a situation like Brandon Cooks, it's like, well, the opportunity is so strong and he's already a proven good player. It's not like I'm trying to just like elevate, you know, a player that's not proven to be good. I was trying to think of, like a, of an example off the top of my head uh, for a good one. But like for this season, I guess maybe the best you could say is like maybe Drake London, right? So like Drake yeah. London has clearly got this runway to this huge opportunity. It's just him, Kyle Pitts, and like a bunch of vagabonds at wide receiver. Uh, but we also don't really know. Like we, we assume Drake London is good because he's he was taken on the top 10 pick. But, you know, they're also we've seen a lot of our top 10 picks fail, too. So, I mean, he does take a little bit of a step of faith. But like Brandon Cooks, we had already established, you know, like he was a good player for this this, this entire career. So like once again, he's punched down for this this Texan situation. No one really wants to draft him. Uh, but I do typically try to get as many players with like good o- offensive attachment as possible. But I try to just soak up the guys that I believe are undervalued uh, based on either like projections or opportunity like I have or just. People just are toxic on them because uh, fantasy points still exist down there. But I, I do typically try to just say like, yeah, I want some attachment to Patrick Mahomes if I can and, and <laughs> yeah. those types of good quarterbacks. I mean, especially at the wide receiver position because you get carried so much by good quarterback play too, that, that 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 symbiotic relationship of when it all comes together and the runway just pops. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of, it, it's a tough balance, but I'm definitely looking for the opportunity first. How do you um, think about, like these
0: completely totally new situations. Um, So I did a podcast yesterday with Davis Maddock and it was not planned this way, but like, I think I said the word uncertainty about 50 times in an hour and, but coming off of this off season, that's what it feels like in fantasy football. Like, Half the offenses are new. We got all these superstar quarterbacks that moved, you know, new quarterbacks, rookie quarterbacks. Devontae Adams is on a new team. Tyreek Hill is on a new team. You know, there's so much that that has changed. Obviously, new coaches, right? Yeah, you get so you get Devontae Adams moving to the Raiders and a new coaching staff with the Raiders. So it's not like we can even latch on to what they did before. How do you kind of all think right. about those situations, right? Russ in Denver. Uh, you know, Devonte moving, Tyreek moving. Uh, just this off season is so chaotic. It's like, how do you do rankings? How do you do projections? How do you kind of assess that? You uh, you talked about Allen Robinson too in uh, the video that I, I saw you do. um, Who was another guy that you know is off a really bad year, but is moving places to a better situation. Just all that chaos and change. How do you kind of like at a high level think about it? Yeah, some of it
1: is hard. Where you know you're you're taking a step. Like you look talk about the Dolphin situation, where you know not only did they add Tyree Kill, but they add a head coach that comes from that coaching tree from a team we just talked about. We know they inherently want to run the football. They're going to play a fullback on a ton of snaps, uh, you know, and and maybe if we just go by one Twitter video, they might not be pressing the ball downfield. I would, that just, <laughs> we don't really need to do that. But, uh, you know, anyone that's trying to figure out, like, an actual target share projection for, like, Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle, like, it's tough, right? There's really not a lot of precedent. We can look at Tyreek's career and see, like, how he's earned targets per route. And we know also that Tyree Kill has been a consistent like quarterback elevator. Uh, I compare him a lot to like, just like a, a, a the best version of Deshaun Jackson, right? Like yeah. you always look at Deshaun Jackson's career and look at the quarterbacks he played with. They were so much better throwing to Deshaun Jackson than anyone else. And Tyree Kill has been that way too. Even Patrick Mahomes, who has had success without Tyree Kill on a team on a team basis, but he, his splits with with and without Tyree Kill on the field do drop. And you look at Tyreek Hill, he's this is a guy that turned a hundred target season into a top seven wide receiver season with Alex Smith at quarterback. So, like I I know Tyreek Hill is good. Now, Jalen Waddell, I don't like because you look at Jalen Waddell, how he played, he was a target earner last year, but the way he earned targets as like a low a dot fantasy floor guy. Like, now there's some fragility in the projection because could the quality of the targets be better? Sure. Is Tyreek allow him to get more downfield targets? Absolutely. Do we know how many targets he can earn? Do we know how many plays this offense run? Because these are all things that are finite. Like, we, there, plays and targets and touches, like, those things run out. There's only so many to go around. And people, uh, you know, get in this holy war versus guys that do projections like me because they have, like, a guy like Brandon Iyuk last year or Amon Ross St. Brown who have these spikes and show they can be target earners. But with all these other guys off the field and you're trying to put all these pieces together and you can see mm-hmm. guys how they, it impacts their fantasy lines. Um, you know, Brandon, I being you know, like a really good example of last year, even without the doghouse situation. Uh, so you have Jalen Waddle now who is still being priced basically where he left off last year. Like there's so much fragility in Jalen Waddle's production. Could he hit it? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. But th- there is a lot of floor here too, as well that we don't know because he didn't win on those types of targets. He didn't get those types of targets last year. And he relied on getting a lot of targets that were kind of pedestrian for fantasy football. So if you kind of remove those and those go down, like we're in like a gray area. We don't really know. Uh, You talk about Allen Robinson. So like Allen Robinson is a guy, like I actually feel more comfortable about because I know the offense that Sean McVay runs. I actually have tangible evidence of the offense. He runs the types of routes, those players runs And you look at what Allen Robinson was asked to do the last two years in Matt Nagy's offense, and it was just awful. Last year, 40% of his routes are just slants and curls. Like, those aren't going to get you any fantasy points. And then you tack on that, you know, he, he had multiple injuries. He missed time with COVID. He seemingly didn't even want to be on the Bears to start the <laughs> yeah. season. Uh, but now he's going to get, like, in this environment where Cooper Cup's going to run a lot of those routes. First of all, the offense isn't going to really use those routes as much as, like, Matt and Aggies did. But he's going to be running a lot of these deep digs and posts. and He's, he's going to be ISOed on the backside. A lot of things we saw Odell Beckham did. Now, there could be some more volatility there because Odell Beckham wasn't a huge target earner compared to cooper cup because cooper cup was on his 1995 jerry rice heater but you know alan robinson just there were a lot more fantasy friendly routes and he's going to get him from obviously the best quarterback in his career because 80 yeah. percent of his career targets have come from Mitch trisky <laughs> and play portals uh this, those are things that i can say like yeah i can reach on maybe him a little bit have adp because i feel bullish on the situation whereas like you you take a guy like waddle and you say or jerry judy is another good example too like Jerry Judy is being priced up for where he basically was last year, the upside potential, but like, we don't really know exactly like what if Cortland Sutton's more of a mesh. Also, when you look at Russ, what he had with Seattle, you can't just bring that over to Denver because he had two good players in Seattle. He had DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Now the now he has a viable like Tim Patrick's way better than any other player that was behind yeah. those guys. Uh KJ Hamler is better than any other player of those guys. Albert Okwabenom is way better than any of those guys. They've got better running backs than Russ had. So like we can't just say, oh, Jerry Judy's the new Locket and Sutton's the new DK. Yeah. That's not that's not transitive property. We don't know. Right. And then you factor in the Nathaniel Hackett, the new system. Like there's a lot of moving parts. So I'm more like I'm seeing Jerry Judy get pushed up, and I'm like, well. Yeah, I would like to be bullish on Jerry Judy. I like the talent, but like, all right, all the values definitely run out of there right now. Uh, so now you just pivot and you go to Sutton, and now you see people starting to pit, steam Sutton up yep. because yeah, <laughs> you know, so now we're gonna wait for Judy to come back down because we weren't drafting Judy earlier in the year. We hope he comes down so we can get some Jerry Judy on our team. But those are all things like we make projections. We try to do our best, of our ability, but there you have to run range of outcomes on when those type of situations. So you have to factor in the cost of when is the when is the juice. Worth, uh, worth the squeeze. And right now, at Jerry Judy, you can't talk me into taking where he goes now. Uh, I, I wish him for the best. I got some dynasty teams that really hope he smashes, but like, there's no value right now in taking him.
0: Yep, yep, and there's like you said it, it is so funny I, again we're in may and this I'm, I'm listening to you talk this life cycle of the broncos receivers through and i'm like <laughs> yep we've already done like last year this was like an august conversation where it was like you know okay we did the i we did the IUK thing now it's time to hit debo right now it's or you know i'm trying to think of we actually did this with uh oh my god i'm blanking on a, a, a different team but anyway same thing right somebody gets steamed and then everybody's like, "Okay, I think we might have jumped the shark here on this this young breakout guy, Visca, right?" Lavisca Chenault yeah. is the bit is the bit guy. And then you're like, "Okay, maybe now it's right." DJ Chark they flipped. Lavisca Chenault went from a 11th or 12th round pick, whatever. I know that there's you know the meme purposes of some of why that happened, but DJ Chark was like seventh or eighth round pick. They literally completely flipped, and it was like, "Okay, this has gotten a little bit out of hand." Here, you know, and I guess if you liked Marvin Jones a little bit cheaper, same thing, you know. Obviously, really none of that worked out, but it was kind of the similar situation. Right. How sure are we, you know, that Laviska Chenault and Jerry Judy are these superstar wide receivers on this team now? Like, I'm not sure. So let's go get this, this, uh, next guy. The, the, the question I'm going to pivot a little bit here, but uh, I'll let you tell <laughs> Jim, Jimmy, Jimmy asked about, you know, you always got the, the, the C hat uh on most of the shows that i that i see you do and jimmy and maybe some other people have the same question uh I, it's definitely not a coastal carolina hat uh, no no theaters. they're block
1: c uh old cleveland indians hats i don't wear them for the indians who are now the guardians uh i'm from yeah. i'm from cleveland i live, live here and I, I like the block because it's not a logo It like kind of re- makes, like i'm representing the city because uh, yep uh i i tell everyone man like give come back to cleveland give cleveland a shot uh, as Midwest City, it was terrible like when I was in my early 20s, but it's like a legit good, like faux big city right now. There's a lot to do downtown. Uh, the food and beer scene is great. Uh, I feel like that that's what really kind of transitioned a lot of faux big cities, like, you know, St. Louis and Cleveland, uh, even maybe Detroit a little bit, is like when beer and food culture like exploded in a lot, a lot of those Midwest cities that just kind of like take off because people were like, oh, now when I travel, I want to go eat at this place that was on diners, drive and drives or whatever. Yep. Uh, and, you know, not go to Applebee's or a chain restaurants. So like that, <laughs> like it helped a lot of big cities up big time. Uh, but Cleveland's a great city, man. I love it. Uh, I don't say that just because the cost of living is amazing. Uh, it's actually improved greatly <laughs> over my time here.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: that's how I feel about St. Louis too. You know, it certainly
0: has its... Uh, as it has its downfalls, I have uh, my guy Darius Miles uh, jersey on, on the wall in the back, and he's from East St. Louis. Um, and uh, you still don't want to drive through there. Uh, de- definitely not during the evening. You don't want to drive through there. So there are, uh, you know, some some down parts to it. But um, I, I totally agree. Like, I've seen this cycle in my life. Like when I was young, we didn't go to like, nobody went to downtown St. Louis when I was, when I was young and you didn't have friends and family that lived there. Like, no, no way. Why would anyone do that? You know? And it's, there's just been this, uh, evolution. I mean, there's a craft brewery on like every street corner in in St. Louis, you know, and all these little, you know, hipster, hipster areas with restaurants, like you said, and, um, it's, it's so much better. And I, I feel the same way. I, I don't, no no offense to anybody, you know, in the New Yorks and the Bostons and all that. I still like enjoy going to those places. But like the Cle- I, I wanna experience the Clevelands, right? Like you said, and 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 some of those those different they faux. I like the I like the phrase faux big city because that's exactly what it is. It's it's much closer to small town than big city, but it, yeah, it's a it's it's uh kind <laughs> of enough of enough of both uh to fit. So what did you say were you born and raised in Cleveland and li- lived there your whole life or what? Yeah uh,
1: yeah, I was born just outside of here. Uh, you know I, I went to school in in Ohio still you know in Toledo and I lived in Columbus for a number of years. but I'll, I never really ventured out. I wish I would have lived other places. I do. It's one of the things in my life. I wish I when I was younger I lived more places. but now it's kind of like it's the way like life has manifested and with the way cleveland has manifested it's like turned into a great actual area to live now you know outside of the weather yeah. but man now now that there's like like half the ozone only exists like it we barely it doesn't even get cold like people think it does really uh we still get cold weather but it's a you know and now it stays warm until basically november uh and then you know we don't really have spring anymore just like you have winter and then it's just summer like it's 80 degrees and we just i don't know about you we
0: that's what we just experienced this week it was like 50 (laughs) last week and i'm wearing like a jacket to like take the dogs for a walk and stuff last week because it's cold it was it it's like 92 today yeah in in five days or like you said like you said you want to talk about no spring like this is the year was the definition of and i just moved and so I don't know like what it went means. through like
1: the, the the I'm such a donkey too that's why you guys probably shouldn't listen to your fans but I literally bought a house <laughs> in the worst time in American history ever to buy a house it's actually it was actually more affordable to buy a house in the great depression than it is right now but uh, <laughs> I needed I needed a, a new office for sure. Like, cause where we were working, I had too many kids. Uh, this, this is a short story and I needed more space. So we had, it was like a necessity for me to move this offseason. So I did it. But if I was trying to move, I've got some buddies in the industry and like people we know, like you said, that live in like the Boston area and like they're trying to move too. And they're showing, we're comparing houses and my, the house I'm looking for his is three times more, more price for half the square footage. And I'm like, God, thank God I don't live in any of those places right now.
0: Yep. <laughs> i went through that um so i I think everybody pretty much knows but like the whole this whole like spike week thing came from because i'm employed by roto grinders so i started my career in like the whole dfs space with roto grinders five years ago and uh when i got hired i was actually doing mostly project management stuff not content related stuff when i first got hired and part of the agreement when i got hired on was that we would eventually move to st louis my uh well she was my fiance then my wife now and, uh, we start same thing. We start, this is back then, you know, so five years ago, we start looking at houses in Nashville, you know, and it is like triple what we're, you know, what we would be paying. Like it's, it was obscene, absolutely obscene. And so we kind of just like, uh, kept kicking the can down the road and eventually Cal Spears, shout out Cal. If anybody, uh, knows Cal, he's no longer, <laughs> no longer around. Cause he's, uh, He's doing pretty well for himself, but uh, those guys
1: did all right. Uh, CNC, those guys, the did, CNC factory, uh, yes,
0: yes, everybody did quite well at the at the uh, at RG with with the, the BC acquisition. But um, I kind of just kept kicking the can down the road with Gal and like not mentioning it ever. And eventually he was just like, it's fine, just stay, he should just stay there, you know, it's no, it's no big deal. And then I guess I'm just, I, I think I, I'll net when, when I'm on my like gravestone, it's gonna be like, this dude was just a luck box. Because we moved um, houses right at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, like literally like started getting a, our old house ready to move. Like after Rudy Gobert touched the mic, you know, he, he touched the microphone <laughs> and we started we started getting the old house and moved. And then it was just like overnight. The market just went totally nuts. So we got super, super lucky. And I, I think back to that because the same thing, I, I couldn't do what I do now at our old house. Uh, so like, if I had to try and do this, I can't imagine what it was like and, and what it was like for you to try to, to try to navigate all man, that. It's rough. I, f- I feel
1: for everyone out there house hunting, uh, at this time, man, it's, it's rough out there. <laughs> so how, how,
0: I think I've heard you tell this story, but I'm, I'm not entirely sure. How did you even like get started in the fantasy space 10 years ago or, or whatever it was? What was like the, how did we get to this point now where you're, you know, you're doing what you're doing?
1: Yeah, I mean it's not—it's nothing incredible, but uh, you know, I—I—I'm I, not a huge social media guy. I always hated it, but you know, I had a buddy that was like, "Dude, just get Twitter. It's, use it for the newsfeed." And I was like, "No, I'm not doing that." He was like, "Just do it," and I—I uh, got it. I got Twitter, and literally, I—you know—I'm looking at like all this like content that's going on. At this time, I'm a huge fantasy baseball guy because you know, obviously, my background like this stuff didn't exist in fantasy football the way fantasy football is covered now. didn't In, in yeah. 2010, this is not how fantasy football was covered. And that yeah. was like a big transition is because people weren't doing that. And I kind of saw like an end to that. And I was, I, I remember telling my wife, I was like, I was like, this is terrible. Like, you know, we're, we're, people are like paying all this to go to these sites and like, this is the advice they're getting. She was like, well, if you think you'd do better, just do it. And I just started putting stuff out on Twitter, like stats and like different kind of like thoughts. Like you see a lot of people do now. Um, and luckily, at that time, there was this website called NFL Retweet. At the time, and the the guy would just retweet all my stuff, like about like stats and stuff, because he wanted it on his feed. Because most of the stuff was just like goofy fans, hyperbole stuff. But he wanted yeah. that because I have like so, some legitimacy, like to some stats and stuff. And Denny Carter followed the site, C.D. Carter, uh you know, and he was just like, "Hey man, do you want to like? I saw you're putting out these stats. Do you want to like?" come write some articles for us. And I was like, I don't know, I'm not a writer. He was like, it's fantasy football. You don't have to be I was like, cool. Yeah. yeah. yeah, Cool, man. And, uh, so like I, I started like just putting out some content there or is get $15 an article, uh, for the first time while I was working my full-time job, thought it was just goofy and fun. And, uh, you know, you, you have some decent content and some hits and you build up some things that happen and, uh, you put out the Konami code article, obviously JJ helped <laughs> yep. me out a great deal. Uh, we're going to have to pour one out pretty soon because the number fire domain is expiring. So that article is going uh-huh. to exist uh, pretty soon, um, but it's had a good run. But yeah, basically everything goes circles back to just Denny Carter, man. Denny Carter was my, he found me. He gets still 10% of everything I make and you know, all, <laughs> of the sh- all the shit you guys give Denny. Uh, you know, he's the one that brought me in the fold. Yeah,
0: I don't know, Denny, like really personally, it's a Twitter, you know, like most people. That's what I had Josh Norris from Underdog on last week. And we were like, yeah, you know, my friend, you know, when you tell a story to somebody like in real life, like an actual human, you're like, "Uh, you know, oh, my friend. And they're like, oh, your friend, you know, I'm like, yeah, my, you know, my friend, I talked to him on Twitter. (laughs) <laughs> they're like, what do you mean your friend? Like <clears throat> you, you, you barely even know what his voice sounds like, you know, it, it, in the, like maybe it's Levitan. He doesn't even look like that in real life anymore. You know, Levitan's profile picture is from 20 <laughs> years ago, you know, so like, those are your, those are your friends, but that's, that, that, so that's uh, what I would consider like the the majority of our, our group. How long have you been now? I remember when you went to Sharp, to, to Sharp football and how long have you, you've been there now? And the people got to know what it's like working with uh, Warren because <laughs> Warren is a trip. This is
1: my fourth year with Warren, but I quit my full time job when I was thirty five uh, to, to work for NBC. Evan got me hired at Roto World, uh, you know, which was huge at the time. So I got to go work for NBC, and then it just kind of, you know manifested into this kind of time and place where like more people were like do, creating their own sites, branching off and doing their own thing. I left the same time Evan did, you know, Norris left. I mean, that was like a roto world purge in a sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause Norris left immediately afterwards. Uh, it was rough. It was rough out there. You know, Ray <laughs> ended up quitting and, and he's back now. Um, but you know they've hired a bunch of good people since then but uh so working with warren like it came along to like you know through evan again too like i we didn't really have a relationship we followed each other on twitter um but you know his he wanted to create the site with evan and evan and adam actually you know ended up doing their own thing so i was kind of like the next man up and kind of took that <laughs> opportunity uh which was cool and you know because i get yeah. the you know have some freedom of my own where i'm not under like a huge corporation you know get to make a little bit money, get to create the content i want to create uh and he just really kind of wanted someone to run like the fantasy side but one of the big reasons i wanted to work with warren uh, in the transitional phase is because i saw where like betting was going and uh the, the legality of betting and sports betting and most sites just have like a fantasy donk doing betting content Yep. And like, I could have, someone could have hired me. I'm like knowledgeable enough to where I can, I can put out passable betting content for sure. But like, if betting was going to be this huge thing, like why not already work with someone that's an established better? Like it already has like that market and I don't have to do any of it really. And like that, we kind of already have that built in. Whereas people are fantasy sites are now trying to win people over for betting, mm-hmm. uh, how about just creating fantasy stuff on a content that uh, on a betting site, like a bet, like, a, like an actual guy that, that is involved in the market and you can move markets. So that was kind of the allure uh, was seeing kind of like the foreground of like, and it's still like the sports betting is still right now, the smallest it will ever be. It only continues to get bigger and bigger. So Uh, hopefully that continues to pay off and Warren keeps crushing it. I can can
0: definitely, I can definitely speak to being in like the DFS and uh, you know, fantasy football space and, and trying to, you know, that's the company that I work for Uh, you know, better collective comes in and and purchase. And that, that's what is helping, you know, us is we weren't like, you know, RG and, and the affiliates of, of our company were, you know, DFS and, 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 poker actually and you know some of that the gambling space but not specifically sports betting and then you try to branch out and it's very difficult when you've carved your niche in like dfs right there's a crossover of users obviously but like it's not that easy to just like you said you don't have like full-time sports bettors on staff you don't have all all of that and so then like better collective for us came in right bought the company and like, I mean, now we own ne- Action Network and we own Vegas yeah. Insider and all this stuff. Right. And that <laughs> makes it a little easier. Right. Like the like, same thing for you. Like you're just teaming up with Warren versus we're teaming up with all these sports betting companies. And it's a whole lot easier than just being like, yeah, you know, you paid me for my DFS screenshots. And now uh, you should bet the Cowboys minus seven. Right.
1: Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's,
0: it's very difficult. It's very difficult. Um, so what what are your any new plans like? What's what's the this this coming season? Are you in break? Like, how are you handling some of the best ball stuff? Obviously, we're like best ball focused here on this on this channel with the blow up of underdog. Is that going to be some more of your focus or like how, you know, with the evolution of fantasy football? How are you kind of approaching that from like your content
1: and job? I'm still going to throw out some content. I mean, I like to think that like a lot of the content I create is applicable to like a lot of fantasy football. Like not really, I'm not, I don't really have like necessarily a niche. Like I kind of do a little bit of everything. Yeah. So I'll definitely put some content uh, that revolves around baseball. but I still like to look at big picture stuff. I like big picture ideas. I love like trends where the league is going and stuff like that. That's stuff like I'm generally locked into and I'll do over the summer. I also have to work on the the book that Warren puts out every year, which we're working to get out here in early June. So that's kind of where we are now that the NFL draft is over. Um, but yeah, I mean, and I've, I've just started to really draft uh, my best ball teams. I've just started. I know you've been doing it. For, you've got probably 35 teams, but especially because the best ball mania, we were joking earlier. It's like you put out a big tournament. people are always going to try to get a little piece of it with, whether it's yep. the Millie Maker, uh of uh FFPC, like it's fun to have those teams. It's fun to have main event teams even if you don't think you can win. Like the total if the odds are lower, but people love it. And that's why they continue to be profitable though and get some that rake in there. But uh I'm still gonna throw some bullets, but I've been actually looking at like so I had this tweet out last week. I'm I'm starting to look at like best ball because a lot of people are doing different things for optimization. Obviously, lineup construction is a huge thing now, uh, and a lot of people are looking at like stacking is like a big thing. I'm starting to look at like some players and not just like spike weeks. Uh, you know, no <laughs> pun intended for the show, but like players that are determined to like that that have spike weeks, but a lot of them like due to touchdown production and like guys that are typically better like in a best ball. And I had like a string of tweets on this. Uh, I think late last week and like uh, just like some initial thoughts on, it. I'm going to turn them into an article though. But like I'm looking for players that, that have like high, high ceilings, but have a, a high amount of spike weeks, but also like are contingent on to where like they have terrible floors and way worse floors than people think. And um, you think of guys like, like Aaron Jones, right. Is a great guy that no one really thinks about like in this way, Aaron Jones, since he's been in the league, he scored a touchdown in 53% of his games. Uh, but in these games that he doesn't score touchdowns, he's absolutely abysmal uh, so far in his career. Uh, you know, he, he, he doesn't even have an RB1 scoring week and a week without a touchdown yet in his career. And he has fewer RB2 scoring weeks or better than Nick Chubb. Like, so you have all these different things like elements play, but it's so home I'm like, oh, like he's got like immense best ball value because in, in season long, like there's no way to have it. When you have a good player, you're going to take bad weeks. It just comes to the territory of wanting the spike weeks. But in a best ball, you don't have to take those. Yeah, it's it kind of like it, it, it kind of gives like these guys more bit vi- viability. So you look at like A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown's another one of these guys. He's a guy – he scored a touchdown in over 50% of his career games. But also in these games where he doesn't score a touchdown, he's got 21 career games without a touchdown. He's never had a wide receiver one scoring. He has one wide receiver two or better scoring week. D.K. Metcalf's another one of these guys. They they produce all these. Typically when people say spike week or better in a best ball, they're talking about like Marcus Valdez-Scantling yep. or like some goon. But what uh, what Marcus Valdez-Scantling doesn't do is also give you a lot of good weeks. <laughs> like he is a volatile yep. player. But guess what? you also don't get a lot of good weeks. So, uh, you know, I'm looking at some of these other players uh, under this umbrella and like, these are players that have like tangible ADPs, like you're not going to get these guys for like cheap, but they probably have a lot more best ball viability than people think. They're a little overvalued in redraft leagues than people think. Uh, So I've been looking at some of these guys this past week and uh, I'm going to try to see if I can turn it into something here.
0: I love, I love this because the touchdown thing is so funny because it, inherently we know on underdog especially in best ball overall because i mean you get six points if you get in the end zone score three of those and yeah you had a good you had a good week and we know that those are important but especially on underdog and half point ppr no bonuses you know it's so touchdown driven Mm -hmm. it's a little bit more running back driven and so people get really enamored with those guys right the aaron like well look look he's you know he scores a lot of touchdowns yeah, that is true. But what happens when he doesn't score a, a, right. a lot of touchdowns, you know, and vice versa, your point about AJ Brown, AJ Brown scores a lot of touchdowns. But even when he doesn't, you're not this, this second round pick is not killing you. He's actually still helping you. Right. And those are the guys you you really want, but no one ever thinks about it. Exactly. Like what you said, people look at it as okay, Aaron Jones is a good best ball pick. Period, point blank, period. We don't talk about anything else. And then, like, the MVSs of the world are good best ball picks, right? But, like, what happens when – I mean, look, why did Cooper Cup exploded because of more than just this? But when you go from not scoring any touchdowns to scoring a million touchdowns, like, you become pretty good in the best ball format. And the volume was, like, generally there for Cooper Cup. We knew he was good. You know, it, it, so it was really a lot of a touchdown spike and then, you know, a little bit, obviously, extra cherry on top. Devin Singletary. Is like one of my favorite examples. It was like, Devin Singletary isn't a better football player than he was last year. Like he had stretches of getting tons of volume before. And guess what? By being out there on a good offense, the touchdowns just spiked for a stretch. And we win, right? And he was still producing in some of those other games. Like, you know, if you drafted like a zero RB team, especially like, yeah, give me those 80 yards and four catches. Give me my 10 points and let's move on to the next week. And then he started scoring the touchdowns. And that, that guy came through. So I'm, I'm constantly thinking about, I love that. Um, I'm going to have to go back and reread that because thinking about different ways that players score points and those kinds of things, as opposed to like, like you said, everybody's stacking everybody's like you know okay zero rb <laughs> hyper fragile all that kind of stuff is like kind of played out at, at this point but i think there's a lot we can do with like i would call that kind of like uh, uh like an archetype type of thing
1: you know yeah and that's like, basically like, if you followed me my work over the years like that's my lane like player archetypes have always been my jam like understanding how players get used on the real football field and how that translate the fantasy points uh i've always done my tiering that way you know, my tears never match my ranks and it always drives people insane. But the people that have always followed me this for this long, like, don't give me any more shit about it because it actually <laughs> makes sense. Like, or at least but now I've got the hive mind and they actually, you know, think it makes sense. Um but yeah, a lot of people have always followed that way. Like where I'm, like, hey man, like you know, hey Tyler Boyd is going in round seven, and he's the exact same player as Sterling Shepard in a different situation. Sterling Shepard's going around thirteen. Like that's how we get arbitrage, natural arbitrage. Uh, and it doesn't matter what you think of like that player is better. That they, they're used in the same capacity. They're, the, the way they're used then has has a, a effect on how they score fantasy points and the gap should it be this large between these players? Um, And the the one thing that that is great about fantasy football and and frustrating at the same time is we don't have control of when these like pockets of production come. Like you, Devin Singletary is a great example um, versus like best ball and redraft because You know, if you have Devin Singletary, like how many teams with Devin Singletary even got to to have the best of his weeks where it mattered in the fantasy season? Cooper Cup, obviously everyone got to experience that joy because it was so good all year. But for the large part of fantasy football is like great seasons are typically created by pockets of production that are good. Like Keenan Allen's been like a whole, he's made his whole career off of this. Keenan Allen will literally go like six to eight games every season and not do shit. And then just have like, he'll go ham for like eight games, but they're always in different like sectors of the season. So like it, in basketball, it's great. But in like, in like redraft, it's totally, it's totally frustrating. Mike Williams was like that last year. Mike Williams, the first five weeks. Yeah. A, a lot of teams with Mike Williams, well, one probably week one, they didn't even put him in their damn lineup, but then, they, but they probably started four and one, five and oh, and then, he sucked for like eight weeks in a row uh it's just like th- those are things we don't we can't control the distribution of the points like it's you know th- that's the, one of the frustrating elements but those things dictate fantasy seasons uh so much when when a player gets hot uh when when those points are accrued uh even derrick henry because derrick henry teams he missed half the year but a lot of derrick henry teams had good records and redraft by the time he was out and were able to kind of position themselves to still make the playoffs and then have a, a puncher's chance, depending if you had another player get hot then too. Uh, he still mattered even for missing half the season. he still absolutely mattered for a fantasy roster. So there's a, a lot of things like that's the stuff I like to get in the weeds on. That's the, the thing. Yep. Like I care a lot more to talk about that kind of stuff than like, Hey man, like we talked about earlier, like uh, what do you think about Damian Harris this year? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like that's a, uh, and shout out, shout out to everybody that like does that work. You know, that like, so I don't have to do it. Like, you know, because that doesn't interest me at all. Like, yeah, do you prefer Damian Harris or Melvin Gordon? Like, I don't fucking know. Like on one team, maybe one guy on one team, another, you know, their situations, maybe they both make sense. I'm not really, uh, that's not my same, same thing as you. Like, that's not my lane. I'm trying to assess the players that obviously, particularly for best ball, right? Is the, how, how do I find like, that it's all archetypes for me. That's like all I'm ever, I'm trying to, put like, like, uh, uh, describe a player, remove the name, right. And describe the player on like, okay, w- what is Saquon Barkley? What is, uh, you know, last year, Antonio Gibson, like kind of my new ish, ish, uh, Antonio Gibson is like Javante is like Javante Williams. It's like, right. if shit breaks right for Javante Williams, like wheels up. Like I want him, obviously there's, you know, but you're trying to, you're trying to do that. Like I, I spend my time doing that. It's like when people be like, I, you know, are you drafting this player? Like, I don't, maybe, I don't know. Let me go look. Have I drafted him? And then sometimes I'm like, oh, shit, you know, I do kind of like this guy and I haven't taken him. And that's just how it goes. You know, so there's a lot of those subtleties. So last few last few minutes, we're going to pivot back away from some fantasy football (laughs) because I want to I want I want to hear about old school. Like what what's the old school sports takes the old school fandom? Are you like strictly a Cleveland fan? What about college and then like specific players like like a throwback to you know when you were getting into football could go to
1: childhood or like adulthood doesn't really matter so I, i'm actually not a a, a my current phantom card has been long turned in and i think when you work <laughs> in this industry it's tough to remain a fan not just from a content creation and rating objective but when i was exposed to all the fan bases at once uh i kind of yeah like a, it was like almost like a reflection i was like am i like this like was like, That's, I don't want to be like that because <laughs> uh, all fan bases are terrible. It's literally yeah. the, re, the the word fanatic. I mean, it's crazy. You think about like you're literally cheering for like an access of laundry. And I get there's stuff that means, you know, different things to people. But so uh, my dad was actually never uh, a huge sports guy growing up. So when I, we, I first started to find football, there was only two games on. The Browns would play at 1 o'clock and then the NFC game would be at 4 o'clock. And at that point, it was always the 49ers. Uh, we're basically always on in the '80s. So I, I have the Jerry Rice picture behind me. Like literally, I thought Jerry Rice was like Jesus in cleats that's a kid. And I was like, "Well, <laughs> shit, I like this. I like this team because this, because the dude, because I would watch three hours of AFC football that was dudes punching each other in the face, and then like the 49ers are playing like, what is this? What is this? Like, yep. this is a different sport. These guys are playing a whole different sport. So I easily like I latched onto the 49ers like early on, like all the way through youth and. I, I stuck with them. I knew I was officially out when they made the Super Bowl uh, three years ago. And I didn't I didn't care at all. And I knew yeah. I was like, it's, it's I was like, it's official because like, they, they like a lot of my adulthood. It's easy to say like, oh, I hit my 30s, like different things matter uh, in my life. But in the 49ers it sucks. Who cares? Uh, but then, like when they made the Super Bowl, I like knew I was like, oh, I I felt absolutely nothing. So I was like, I have completely turned in my card. But they were really the only sports team I ever really really liked. Uh, I loved going to I love going to baseball games like socially. So like the mid '90s Indians were amazing. Like yeah. we spent a lot of times at mid '90s Indians games. Um, wa- you know, watching Kenny Lofton and Jim Tomey, oh, yeah. and Manny Ramirez, Albert Bell, like all those dudes, like, they were so hot and the. They were so good. Um, and baseball, I still love going to baseball. I have, like, no attachment to baseball. I, I know, like, maybe eight players that play for the Guardians. But, like, I still love to go to the games because baseball is such a social event. Like, it's easy to go and sit yep. with your buddies. Hang out and have some beers and drink and sit out in the sun. Like it's such a, a baseball still like the best like live sport for stuff like that. Like maybe hockey is like the second best live sport, but like football is terrible live. I don't know why anyone goes to the football games live. So, it's terrible. Uh, yep. It's a miserable, maybe if you just want to get out and like uh, the tailgating scene, like that's cool. I'm totally cool with that. But like watching yep. actual football in the stadium sucks. I don't know why anyone does it?
0: I think the last football game I went to was. Uh... So my my brother in law is a diehard Notre Dame fan, <clears throat> so he's trying to go to more Notre Dame Notre Dame games than I'd never been. So we went and watched Notre Dame Navy one. Uh, Chase Claypool's I don't, I don't remember if he stayed the whole year uh, or uh, all four years, but Chase Claypool's last year at Navy. He himself. Scored four touchdowns in the first half, Chase Claypool did, against Navy. It was like, uh, you know, uh, an elementary school team trying to guard Calvin Johnson <laughs> was what it looked like. You know, it was so bad. It's like 42-7 at halftime or something like that. And I'm like, you said, I'm like, this is miserable. I'm like, you know, yeah, I'd stay stand the whole time because these people are crazy, psycho fans. I don't even like Notre Dame. This is not entertaining. Like, I do actually really like watching the triple option, my, my old – football hat comes on like i, I love the beer <laughs> offense uh and i'm standing by my dad who's a, a lifelong high school football coach and you know he loves to get his fucking hand in the dirt with like wing t and you know oh, yeah. and all that stuff so that part is fun but like we left at halftime and went back to the tailgate like we're like that I, I don't know i Especially got my college picks. football
1: <laughs> yeah it was it's like a two-hour first half you know well college football it's... is is miserable because like the the bands have to play at halftime the halftime's like 40 minutes long yep. and, and and the clock in college football like how we've not solved this like there's no reason the clock should stop in the first quarter. Like, no. like why is Cal- every college football game take three and a half hours? And then if you play like the, the big the Big Twelve or, or like these games are taking four and a half hours because the clock stoppage and every team scoring in four plays. Uh, like yep. yeah, it's a it's it's wild, man. I, was I, it? I, the
0: Mahomes, the Mahomes, Baker, Mahomes, Baker game. Does Mixon? Yeah. Mixon had a huge Mixon. game that game. <laughs> yeah, that one. I, I remember. I remember watching that one. And that one. Yeah, that that's what that was. It was like, it, is this going to go five hours? Because every two, play, you know, it's only passes. So it's either a touchdown or an income or like a big play or an incomplete pass. It takes absolutely, absolutely forever. Oh, this is interesting. That's cool. All twenty-two uh, in in the Mac film. Um, that's a. There's always a, a hodgepodge of people in the chat. You never know what you're really going to get on a fantasy football stream. It's a. We're we're all a very unique unique bunch yeah during the
1: day uh kind of degenerates around here exactly (laughs) that's what what somebody
0: mentioned like this is the konami code this show you know fantasy football content at 2 p.m 3 p.m in the afternoon on a wednesday it's like the konami code of not getting shit done at work because like that's what we're doing you know (laughs) it's fantasy football on may 9th uh at 3 p.m in the afternoon so um i know you got to run we'll get we'll get you out of here you talked about the schedule release before we before we hopped on, but I'm sure you guys are doing a bunch of uh, stuff coming here. What do you got coming uh, down the short term pipeline?
1: Yeah, I mean this is one of Warren's Super Bowls, the the the, the, the <laughs> schedule release. You know, obviously he puts out all those you know schedule graphics. We follow Warren, he does it every year. He does he does the huge like strength of schedule stuff on the site. You know, and his his version of strength of schedule obviously is a lot better than the old school like this is the opponent last the year's opponent's win percentage yeah. is how our schedule is warren was one of the first guys to kind of take it another step further and do some other things so he's all excited about tomorrow waiting for the the schedule to drop so he can have all the the grids and uh all the sliders up because he, he updates that thing on a site you will to go to the site and we have that strength of analysis tool which i actually like because in redraft, it's been huge for me for early, like what defense is the target early in the season, yeah, and and early round and what quarterbacks I kind of want to get attached to because as much as we love Josh Allen, we can't draft Josh Allen. It's just it's it's a bummer. Uh, we can't be the first guy to the quarterback. The quarterback second table. round, he's going in the second <laughs> round
0: sometimes. This is crazy.
1: Yeah, and so uh, you know, I I've, he has these tools where you can go and you can manipulate by sectors of the season and see like strength of schedule, and you can do it by different things weighted by Vegas win projected totals uh, by projected defense and do all these different things. So he'll have that updated. It's more his Super Bowl than mine, but uh, I work at a site. <laughs> so it's kind of all hands on deck. We try to chip in and help him get through that process of updating all of those things that go into that app and everything that he has at the site. But uh, go check that out when he has it. Definitely follow his timeline uh, more than mine because he's going to have all that stuff. He's jacked up for tomorrow for sure. He's probably, he probably won't even sleep tonight, man. I mean, nor yeah. tomorrow. That's so, that's so good. I love, I love how, uh, into it, but it's good. It's good for us too.
0: I mean, and the best uh,
1: ball bros are going to go nuts because it's huge. It's now that because it used to be just stacking and not just, Hey, I avoided these landmines on bye weeks but now people want to like see who plays in week 17, who plays in weeks, uh, you know, week 16 and week 17. How can I stack around these when it's the playoffs and these giant tournaments? Uh, because you know, we don't care about winning the 12 team best ball league. We care about winning the 4,700 team best ball league. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, we're joking we're joking about it's it's Warren Super Bowl. <laughs> It's a lot of people's Super Bowls tomorrow. Like, there's people like like somebody was in the chat like I can't wait till the schedule gets released. I'm just gonna rip off a ton of a ton of drafts. And <laughs> and, and there's a lot of people out there out there like that. Um, and and it, it is it is important. Like I, I joke about it, but it is it is important. And uh, I'll be putting out, you know, not to the level that you guys are doing, but probably like leveraging some of the things that you guys are doing just to spin it from a best ball perspective and try to find some different ways that we can, uh, you know, leverage the schedule and not just the playoff schedule, right? full schedule that that was another trey lance thing Mm -hmm. we don't need to go into it you know the niners the niners schedule last year was a cupcake let's find that one you know that uh that that we can leverage this year full playoff schedule i'm excited for it too so it's perfect segue to hop off here rich thanks thanks for joining um well yeah we'll 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 do something again maybe we'll we'll stream a draft or something
1: uh in the next
0: in the next couple of months and we can bring in some more of the uh, video game vibe. Cause it's a pretty perfect, uh, uh, uh perfect, yeah. Yeah. Uh, bring me on uh,
1: over the summer too. Especially, I don't know. Uh, you can see it's more best ball driven, but you know, when we have more like the ADP becomes more concrete as we move. So like, yeah. you're going to see a lot of movement here. Like, I saw Evan just dropped his like top 150. So like he he's, Evan's a guy that can move ADP. So, yeah. like, if he's on, like, a guy – like, I put out, like, a video last week that said, like, buy these five guys before they spike. But, like, I don't really move ADP. Like, if Evan's like, hey, all you dumbass is Michael Pittman's a value, his ADP is <laughs> going to start going. It's going to yeah. start moving. <laughs>
0: that That is for sure. That is for sure. So, uh, things will move, and we'll hop back on, and we'll do another one. Um, I will be back tomorrow uh, – we're gonna we're gonna see how the NFL schedule thing goes. The plan is to have a, a strategy around the playoff scheduling. We'll see when they drop it and all that. But tomorrow, around this same time, I will be back. So for myself, and of course for Rich, um, I will see you guys tomorrow, and Rich will see you guys all all throughout the summer. Later. <laughs>